Hey guys, welcome back to the Telecom Talk Show. Today we have with us Mr. Pranav Roach. He's the president at Hughes Communications Private Limited. So Pranav, I would like to kick off this conversation by asking you, you know, just to uh, help people understand who don't really understand right now, what is SATCOM and why it is important for India? Uh, hi, uh, Pranav, good morning uh, and thanks for having me here. So just to give you a brief perspective, uh, you know, there's a lot of myth around uh, satellites and SATCOM, uh, primarily because, uh, you know, it's in outer space and it's not in the control of people and governments. So clearly, uh, you know, uh, I think uh, those myths are is uh, right in the middle of telecom infrastructure and is used on a daily basis for a variety of things. Just to give you an example is uh, when you typically go to an ATM today, for example, uh, it's likely that uh, the ATM is connected to the bank branch via satellite. Or when you go to a gas station to uh, fuel your car, uh, it's likely that uh, the gas station is linked back with the the, uh, the chain uh, on, a, on a satellite network where, where enterprises and companies get information uh, on uh, on their uh, you know uh, organization on their sales and on their vital data uh, on a, on a, on a, on a minute to minute basis so uh, satcom uh, is nothing nothing more than just uh, a medium or a technology uh, just as you know we are used to wireless mobility telephones uh, we used to fiber uh, satcom is another medium uh, just like uh, fiber or wireless for communication purposes for broadband applications today. Okay. So Pranav, like we have been hearing a lot about, you know, SATCOM sector wants the spectrum to be administratively allocated and B, uh, 28 gigahertz of some spectrum to be reserved exclusively for uh, SATCOM services. Now, why is that so? And why is it really important that, uh, you know, administrative allocation happens? And uh, are telecom operators wrong to basically ask uh, that it should be equally distributed or uh, when, or an auction should be held for both the parties to, you know, acquire spectrum? Like, what should we understand here? Yeah. No, I think that's a very good question and very relevant in today's time and this discussion about uh, spectrum and allocation is going on. And obviously, there are various ways to allocate resource. Uh, but we must understand that you know there are two uh, there are two competing uh, or two complementary technologies uh, you know that are involved over here. So one is we are used to mobile spectrum being auctioned for the reason that it's a limited resource and uh, the government would obviously want to realize the best value that they can and find the best user for that uh, spectrum. Now, unfortunately, that's physically or practically not possible in the satellite arena for the reason that the satellite technology works differently. Uh, is that in order to have the satellite spectrum available, you must have, first have the satellite. And for that, you must have an orbital slot. So when the orbital slot is uh, allocated by the ITU, the spectrum or the frequency comes along with that. So now if, if, if you take away, let's say you know, I have a satellite in a particular orbital slot and I have certain uh, frequencies that have been allocated to me with that slot. Now I've already made an investment to that satellite uh, based on that uh, you know, allocation. Now somebody cannot come and say that, oh, by the way, uh, this range of frequencies is going to be used by me. So there is clearly a, you know, a, a, a kind of a 
contradiction or, or, or a conflict you know, over there. And the other thing that's important to understand is that when you look at the, uh, the frequency allocations, so there is an international frequency allocation plan that is devised by the World Radio Congress uh, every two years or every few years. Based on the international frequency allocation plan, the national frequency allocation plan is developed. Now, if you look at the national frequency allocation plan, the band from 26 odd gigahertz to about 40 gigahertz is reserved for systems as they know, uh, for uh, you know uh, uh, satellite applications. Now, you know, I mean, eventually it's a prerogative of the government uh, to, you know, utilize the resource in the best possible way that they want. But there will be a lot of disruption around the whole thing in terms of procedural, in terms of uh, physical to uh, make these changes. Uh, so, because if you want to accommodate uh, somebody now, uh, contrary to what has already been, uh, you know, put in the framework, then there will be a problem. So, I don't know how... Uh, how this will be resolved, but I'm sure you know there are there are very smart people and they will find some some solution that's eventually best for everybody. Right. Thank you, Pranav. So uh, my next question is, you know, we recently heard that a major U.S. satcom company partnered with a private airline to provide in-flight Wi-Fi services. So Pranav, in the coming months, uh, with uh, OneWeb, Starlink, and more such companies coming to India, like would we see? Uh, competition in that area as well, like uh, these satcom companies partnering with airlines. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, the uh, the uh, the sort of the uh, the flight, uh, you know, connectivity uh, is 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 a big application. Uh, increasingly, you will find that uh, you know people uh, when they are on board uh, wish to remain connected uh, via email or you know uh, text or voice. Uh, uh, internet, uh, etc., and so therefore, uh, more and more airlines offer this as a, as a, I think, a complementary feature now, uh, but definitely as a paid feature. So yeah, I mean, uh, you, I think you know, with the opening up of the uh, skies, uh, there will be a greater, uh, greater competition, and I think which is healthy, which is only better. So Pranav, according to you, like, what is the biggest? and most relevant use case of a SATCOM service in India right now? What would it be? So I, I, I think, you know, I mean, the biggest uh, sort of applicability or application will be in the broadband applications area. And if you if you look at, you know, uh, the way we still, I think, 512 kbps, whereas uh, globally, uh, we talk about uh, tens uh, of, uh, you know, megabits, uh, uh, download speeds for uh, which is I mean technologically possible uh, now. So therefore, our threshold is still quite low. Even uh, given this low threshold, our broadband penetration is also uh, very small. And uh, the uh, the one reason for this is the fact that uh, you know we kind of languished in the satellite connectivity because that is one area where satellite. Uh, can very uh, in a ubiquitous manner and in a in a you know easy to and quick to deploy manner make uh, you know broadband available uh, all over the country. So to give you an example is that uh, you know if you look at uh, mobile telephony, I mean we started with two G, then we came to two point five G in the late nineties, then we came to three G in the early part of this uh, century, then we came to four G. Now we talk about five G. 
But in the satellite arena, we are still stuck in the equivalent of 2G because KU band, which was uh, then the standard uh, globally, <coughs> was made, uh, available uh, or was allowed to be used uh, in India only around 99. And since then, we have not, not moved uh, one inch uh, further. And there are various, various applications and various uh, bands that are now available, which are, uh, you know, which offer high, higher throughput, which offer, uh, you know, better cost, uh, you know, uh, effectiveness. So all of that is not available. And uh, so as such, I think the arena where SATCOM uh, can have the biggest uh, sort of uh, impact uh, is uh, making available broadband applications in a ubiquitous manner and especially areas which are underserved or unserved, uh, you know, in, in the country. Right, Pranav. So, like, it's very interesting that you say, like, the broadband application would be the uh, biggest and most relevant uh, use case for India. But, like, as a consumer, should I really be looking forward to, you know, terminals being set up near my house or at my house? Uh, will it be something that, my basic question is, will it be something that will be, you know, mostly utilized by enterprises, satcom services, or will it also be, you know, uh, directly offered to the consumers in India? Yeah, I mean, you know, the reason, uh, I think eventually, uh, you know, it will be, and it should be utilized by everyone. Uh, I mean, even, even if it's used by enterprises, uh, even then it is used by consumers. So if a bank deploys a satellite, uh, you know, uh, network uh, to make uh, available uh, uh, services, so eventually the consumers benefiting. Or if an oil and gas company is utilizing that at the gas station, the consumers benefiting. Uh, but I would say the consumer can benefit even directly on a like a you know uh, consumer to consumer application because <clears throat> right now the limitation is cost. So you know with the with the uh, sort of uh, non-availability of new standards and new technologies, we're, uh, you know, uh, driving a car which was manufactured 30 years back. Uh, that will obviously give you the fuel efficiency and the mileage uh, that, that was then, uh, you know, available. But in 30 years, there's, you know, so much of innovation and uh, sort of uh, uh, improvement that's been made that you can get more efficiency. So to give you an example is that on a per month, per megabit basis, if the cost uh, for the bandwidth is uh, $2,000, uh, and, and that's what we, we are sort of you know, using today, on the new uh, standards, it's down to like $200. So it's one-tenth. So immediately, you know, you, you can see that if you reduce the cost of anything by, a, by, a, by, by not just 10, 20%, but by a factor of 10, or a factor of you know, greater than 10, then you can penetrate the market deeper and more and more people will then be, uh, you know, uh, be able to uh, utilize and enjoy the benefits of that uh, technology. Right. So uh, Pranam, is the SATCOM something that will, you know, benefit telecom operators as well? Because uh, last year government allowed the telecom operators, terrestrial network operators to, you know, uh, take uh, back and support from uh, sorry backhaul support from satcom companies so like is that the only area where telecom operators and uh, satcom companies can work together or there are more areas i mean, I, I that is definitely one one one, one area where uh, you know there is a complementary uh, or a complementing need uh, for uh, utilization of sat, uh, satellite uh, resource 
But other than that, I mean, uh, you know, uh, the, tele the telecom operators also do many various projects for connectivity of, uh, you know, uh, the uh, backward areas or unserved areas. And, you know, uh, so that's another area where uh, SATCOM applications can be helpful because uh, for us, the ease of deployment is pretty much similar to what it would be if I had to put a terminal in Nariman Point or in Chalpat or in the middle of a jungle in Assam or in uh, Madhya Pradesh in terms of, uh, you know, the ease, uh, time, and cost. So, uh, so Pranav, like, uh, in, like you mentioned that a cost is a limitation right now, okay? But over the long run, uh, will SATCOM services ever be able to replace the normal, the traditional broadband services that exist today? I, I mean, you know, I, I, I never believe that there's one technology that will uh, sort, of, sort of prevail or <clears throat> come to uh, prevail at any point in time. Uh, you know, th th these are all technologies that have coexisted over time. In fact, if you look at mobile uh, telephony, it was born out of satellite uh, communications. And, uh, you know, while today the mobile uh, coverage extends to roughly half the world's population, so if you look at there's roughly about 700 billion people on the planet, uh, roughly half that population receives broadband connectivity on the mobile systems. But now uh, it's, it's the accept, accepted truth that the balanced three and a half billion people will never be able to get broadband on the terrestrial system. Well, it's not economically feasible to take these systems to those locations just because of the way people live in less dense areas. And that's, uh, that's an arena where satellite will come. And that's why you see all of these, uh, all of these uh, investments and innovations that are taking place uh, to uh, to uh, access to provide access to people who are living in uh, these areas. So there will always be a I mean a complementing uh, sort of a role each technology will play. And to give you uh, an example, it's like the uh, your uh, you know the transport sector. It's you have buses, you have cars, you have planes, you have trains, you have rickshaws. So people will use you know, for, for depending on where they want to go, if you want to go from your home to the market, you might use the rickshaw or you might use the Uber. But if you want to go to the airport, you might use the train. If you want to go from the airport to Bombay, you might use a flight. So depending on your cost and your time, and you know, so that's how it works. Okay. So Pranav, uh, like there are so many satellites that are going to be released in the lower Earth orbit, uh, right? So does it have an environmental effect and if yes, then, uh, sorry, if it has, is it negative or is it positive? Like, does it uh, contribute yeah. to space waste? No, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, definitely the number of satellites uh, in, in space is going to increase uh, tremendously uh, when all of these systems go. But, I mean, there are, there are obviously, you know, regulators and there, there are uh, obviously people who have, uh, you know, thought through this whole uh, uh, sort of matter and uh, planned uh, for this in a way that it does not obviously interfere uh, or cause any environmental uh, degradation or uh, have any environmentally adverse impact. So these low earth, I mean, if you see the geosatellites are about, uh, you know, 36,000 kilometers in space. So they are really far, far out uh, to have any uh, real impact on Earth. And... Uh, but when you look at uh, the uh, the Leos, uh, they are about you know a couple of thousand kilometers uh, or so uh, you know above the surface. So I, I think you know uh, 
technologically today where we are, where we have, you know, reusable rockets, you can go and uh, you can, you know, uh, kind of, uh, you have space stations and things like that. So there are ways to manage uh, all of this. So I don't think there should be any any concern on uh, on, on that aspect that there will be an adverse impact on environment or for the earth. Okay, Pranav. So like that will be all from my side. Uh, thank you for joining in today. Like uh, to all the listeners who have been uh, watching this video or, or uh, listening it to on Spotify or Apple Podcast, please check out our YouTube channel and uh, you can also check out our podcast on Google Podcasts and other platforms. So thank you for joining in today, Pranav. Uh, thanks for having me, Tanmay. It was a pleasure talking to you. Have a nice day. Thank you. You too.